heals. Father, we choose to believe that. Father, we believe that because your word declares it to be so. Your life when you are on this earth, Father, declares it to be so. Father, your spirit within us declares it to be so. And so, Father, we choose to believe that you are a healer. We live lives of divine health, Father, free from sickness and disease. And, Father, we thank you that you empower us as individuals both to receive healing for ourselves and to impart healing to others around us. Father, we are your vessels on earth to declare your will and to expand your will into the earth, Father. And, Father, your will is to heal and to recover and to restore. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And, Lord, we give you all praise for that. All honor for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is he our healer? We thank him for being good to us, amen, for being kind to us. We thank him for all the, all the wonderful things he's done for us. You know, healing is, is uh, um, of course, we have a class just on healing. And um, years ago, the Lord just uh, uh, encouraged me that we need to have a class dedicated to healing because that's an area where the church suffers a lot, amen, uh, and many people in a church even in charismatic churches, it's not really exempt from the uh, sickness and disease of the world uh, unless we apply faith to do that and live that way. Amen. And so, you know, the Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches, there's a lot of sickness and disease in them, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, you know, we don't have the corner on, on the market for faith, right, or for the word of God. The whole church has the word of God, which is nice because... Uh, the whole church can obtain faith for any aspect of the word of God. Amen. So uh, that part is nice. And so um, our goal is to not pick and choose what things we teach from, you know. And so, of course, this class will focus just on the doctrine of healing. Uh, but the nice thing is the Lord has left us a wealth of information uh, related to healing. And so, you know, we can study. Of course, we've studied this for many years. Um, and there's just a lot of good information about healing that will encourage our faith. Because at the end of the day, the goal is that our faith is encouraged, right? That our faith is, is increased and strengthened. Uh, first of all, that God desires to heal us. Uh, and next, that God will heal us, amen? Uh, and not just that he can, but that he will. Uh, and when we get to that point, then it makes it a little bit easier and we can live in divine health. Uh, and uh, I always encourage folks to always develop your faith, always be exercising your faith, practice your faith, uh, believe God for certain things, because once you learn how to believe God for some things, uh, really anything in particular, it's easier to believe that God will do those things in other areas of your life. And so you can use uh, the area of healing, for example, to train your faith for small things that, um, you know, if, if it takes a little bit longer than normal to get well, uh, you can still believe God for that. Uh, and you could use it for small things in the area of your finances or small things in the area of for wisdom or for peace. Anything that any promise of God uh, you should exercise your faith on to obtain that particular promise because then you could take that same uh, uh, understanding of, well, this is a promise. I choose to believe it. I exercise faith in it and I receive it. Well, that works for every promise in the word of God. Amen. Uh, and so and to me, healing is one of the easiest ones because, first of all, we have so much uh, good word about it uh, and um, uh, with that, we can use that to obtain healing, and, and there's such a wide variety of sickness and diseases. Surely we'll get it at least once, right? And so <laughs> it's, uh, um, uh, 
it's a good area to develop your faith in. And, amen. Uh, and um, uh, and so faith and healing are two topics that you can't teach too much about. And of course, faith is kind of generic. You can apply faith really with almost any message that you teach. And so, of course, we hear a lot about that around here. So and that's so that's why we have just a class on healing only. Amen. Uh, and I have thought about maybe one of these days we'll do it. Have like a conference, you know, like a three day conference just on faith. You know, we could just teach just uh, on the topic of faith, uh, because even even the topic of faith, you know, in my mind, well, that's a pretty easy topic. Everybody already understands that. And, um, you know, having a whole class just on faith, you know, I'm not sure that anybody would even need to have that, which I know is not the reality of the world. But, uh, you know, you, you think, well, this is because uh, when I read the word of God, it's really simple to me. You know, the Lord said it that we can have it and and what else do we need to do right of course if that's true then we don't need churches we don't need ministers we don't need pastors to teach us these things right uh but i have found that it's not really true <laughs> even though it's there even though it's in the word of god and been there for thousands of years um people don't always receive it amen and so uh so we'll see how that goes you know we'll see uh we'll see what we'll do right so uh so we've been talking um here we started this new book uh, uh with dr yeoman's called the bomb of Gilead. And, um, um, you know, to be honest, this, this particular book, there's, there's four books in this series that we're studying. Uh, this book is, to me, a little harder to follow. It's not so much about, here's the topic of laying out of hands, here's why that's good, here's the topic of, of uh, anointing with oil, or here's, and here's how, you know, how that works, here's the foundation for faith. Uh, it's a little bit more, um, uh, I don't want to be derogatory about it, but it, it's, it's, not really focused uh, on any one topic, you know. And so this particular uh, uh, chapter we're getting into is Satan has desire to sift you uh, like wheat. Uh, but even in that, you know, uh, it's not that, uh, I mean, I love all the verses, right? All the verses are great. Uh, but it's, it's to me more like a, you know, here's a collection of random verses and let's just talk about it, right? <laughs> Anybody else found that to be so in this particular book? I don't know. but um, uh, And that's probably because uh, whenever I'm putting together messages, I, I always go back over and over again to make sure that there's a flow that people are following along in that same topic that, you know, we're staying uh, with the message that we're, you know, we're not just, and I know the Lord can change things up and he does on occasion, uh, but still there should be a flow, right? Uh, and, and so this is more like just a, a scattershot of some things here. All of them are good. None of them are bad at all, but um, um, it's uh uh, it's interesting to, from a standpoint of trying to teach the material here. And so uh, she was talking about, I think we got down to um, uh, about uh, Psalm 91 there, uh, where uh, we had talked about uh, uh, Psalm 119, and um, uh, we got down to Psalm 91. She quoted a couple of verses from Psalm 91, which it's, of course, the whole, whole chapter is only 16 verses in the chapter, and it's a great chapter. But she quoted uh, verses 7 and 10, which says, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Uh, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Of course, that's, that, those two verses are, are pretty helpful in today's environment, right? Because have we not been living in a plague uh, for the last several years? Uh, we have, right? Uh, and it says, A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near you. Uh, well, can you believe that? Can you believe that in the middle of a pandemic that, uh, you know, a thousand people over here will get COVID-19, 10,000 people over here will get COVID-19? 
but I'm not going to get it. Uh, can you can you have faith in that? Well, that's what it says. I mean, that's the exact uh, situation that we're in right there. And so, you know, we could say, well, I just choose not to participate. You know, that's the way I said I choose not to participate in COVID-19 or COVID-20 or COVID-22. Uh, they say there's a, a surging, uh, surging that we're going on. Uh, but. Um, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of conspiracies, unfortunately, in that area. Uh, uh, and uh, I don't get involved in all those conspiracies. All I know is uh, the Lord's my healer. Amen. That's all I really need to know. Uh, and so. Um, and then she made a comment about uh, your, uh, at the beginning of Psalm. It says, you know, we'll dwell in a shadow of the, of the Almighty. Um, she said your dwelling is both your physical body as well as your street address. So uh, wherever you, uh, in other words, wherever you are is where you're at, right? So the Lord will heal you wherever you are. Uh, and, uh, and then she jumped over to uh, Psalm 105. And, and, and this is a pretty amazing uh, Psalm here. Uh, and I've always wondered, you know, in this particular Psalm, it says that he brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble among their tribes. Um, I was wondering where the psalmist got that information, right? This was, uh, you know, I guess hundreds of years after the Exodus, right? And where did they get this information? But, um, you know, I'm sure the Lord revealed it to them. Uh, I don't know if this is a particular psalm from David or not, but uh, um, that's good information to know, though. And you think about that, uh, if you, uh, when the nation of Israel left Egypt, there was at least a million people there that left Egypt. And she said there wasn't, uh, not she, but the, the word of God says there wasn't one people among them. So you think about an entire nation being that healthy that they can leave and walk and not be, uh, not have a single one feeble among them, uh, among all of their tribes. And I mean, that's a miracle. If you can get any group of people of any sizable quantity that at any given time, there's not somebody that's got something uh, going on in their life. I mean, from a physical illness standpoint. Uh, and here, the entire nation of Israel, at least a million people, uh, were um, free from sickness and disease, uh, leaving uh, Egypt on foot, right? So uh, that was a, that, uh, that's such an amazing verse. You know, it's, it's just kind of tucked in the middle of, of everything else. It's not really talking about the nation of Israel necessarily, uh, but it's just talking about um, the, this healing part here. Of course, we know the first part that they brought them forth uh, also was silver and gold, uh, but... Um, the more valuable piece of information is that there's not one people among all the tribes because how many people that have got silver and gold would give it all up if they could live a life free from sickness and disease, right? Um, and, of course, America is one of the wealthiest countries in the world, and we spend a bigger percentage of our GDP on health care than, uh, I guess, any other uh, Western civilization, as far as I understand, uh, with, because our desire is to be well. And, um, and I think sometimes that we kind of get... Uh, a little bit fearful about all kinds of things in our country. Uh, and that kind of happens sometimes when uh, a country is prosperous and they've got nothing better, better to do than think about all the woes that they could have. And uh, sometimes they kind of uh, uh, dig their own grave by their, by their own words. And so um, that's another whole discussion there, though. But, uh, but uh, the Lord brought them out, out of Egypt uh, without a single disease. Um, and so... Uh, and she she talked a little bit about uh, I think it's good to read this particular verse uh, over in Exodus chapter 11. That, um, uh, you know, the the nation of Israel was in uh, when they were in Egypt, they were um, uh, living, you know, actually in the in the con 
the uh, borders of the land of Egypt. And they had set up an area called Goshen, which was just their part of Egypt. That's what they lived in. But it was still part of Egypt uh, and uh, close enough for the Pharaoh to be that close to him uh, where Moses could walk between Pharaoh and the nation of Israel and see them. So they were fairly close within the uh, uh, wherever the capital was uh, in Egypt at the time. And so they lived there. Uh, but, you know, when they went through all the plagues, remember all the, pl- t- the ten plagues, uh, the, you know, when it was hail, it would hail right outside their door, but not hail on their doorstep, right? Uh, and when the locusts came, the locusts came and devoured all the, the uh, crops of Egypt, but they would stop at the, air, at, the, at the boundaries of Goshen. And there wasn't any physical boundaries. It wasn't like there was a fence or there was, you know, barbed wires or, uh, or um, any kind of moats or anything like that. Uh, it was uh, the, the Spirit of God put a boundary there. And he said that you cannot cross this particular boundary. Uh, but the way he said it here, this is on the, the 10th plague uh, in chapter 11. But we get down to verse 7. And it says, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. So he put a, a difference in there uh, that that they uh, were not going to receive all of these plagues, right? And so in this particular case, uh, with uh, uh, the nation of Israel and the 10th plague, of course, the 10th plague was uh, when they lost their firstborn. Um, uh, their difference was that they were the healed of God, right? That they weren't going to be subject to that uh, angel of death. Uh, and, uh, you know, really today in, in the world, there is a difference between the church and the rest of the world, right? And the difference is the blood of Jesus. We have the blood of Jesus. Uh, we're washed in the blood. The blood of Jesus pur- purchased our redemption. So there is a difference between the church and the rest of the world. Sometimes it's hard to see that difference, right? If you look at the church and look at the world, oftentimes there's no distinction in the amount of healing or, or sickness and disease. But in the realm of the spirit, there is a big difference, right? There, there, the Lord has put a difference. He has marked us, right? You know, in, in part of the one of the greatest fears in the uh, in the end times uh, during the time of tribulation will be the mark of the beast. Right. People talk, oh, they're so terrified about the mark of the beast. Well, nobody's going to take it, you know, by accident. And, and so and if they force you to take it. The Lord's not going to condemn you for taking it. Uh, but uh, why did why did why is that such a big thing? Uh, well, because. The devil wants to mark his people because actually, if you go through the book of Revelation, you'll find that the, the people of God are already marked. Uh, we are marked in the realm of the spirit. The Lord sees uh, he's got uh, his mark on us. Uh, and that's why the mark of the beast. That's why the, everything the devil does, it's it's a um, uh, uh, counterfeit of what the Lord has already done. So he's going to mark him with some natural mark uh, because the church is already marked spiritually. So we're already marked. Uh, and, you know, when the devil sees you, it's not that he really sees you. He sees the blood of Jesus. He sees the mark of God upon you. He sees in the realm of the spirit that this person is owned by and purchased by the blood of Jesus. And, and so, of course, he wants to counterfeit that by putting his own mark on people. Uh, so there is a distinction between us and the world. Uh, and the Lord says that he puts a difference between the Egyptians or the world uh, and the, the children of Israel. Uh, and, of course, we're in chapter 11 there. They finally get to escape. Uh, turn over just a couple of chapters there to chapter 15 there. And of course, we, we quote this particular verse a lot, uh, but um, uh, it's good to, uh, uh, it's good to read, uh, uh, read it again, uh, read it actually out of our own, um, 
our own Bibles here. But in Exodus 15, 26, this is after they left Egypt. And they're really just tr getting started uh, in, uh, uh, in their wilderness experience. Of course, they started, they've already murmured a couple of times here, right? Uh, but in verse 26, it says, And if thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Uh, and, and so really that word says we're, we're put there. It really should uh, uh, be translated, I will allow none, none of these diseases. And again, even that, you know, the Lord's never allowing anything. We're allowing it. It's just he's not able to do anything about it until we decide to, to follow him. But if you notice, especially at the beginning of that, he said, if you'll do all these things, if you do what I say, and, and keep my commandments, he said, you'll, you'll never be sick. Yeah. And uh, I don't know why that's hard for the church to understand. You know, the church is never, uh, and even in the history of the nation of Israel, they were never defeated when they were in a perfect will of God. And the church will never be defeated if we live in the perfect will of God. If we live in this perfect word, if we do exactly what he says. It's not because God is punishing us when we leave that. It's because we get out on the devil's territory. Uh, and if you could see that, and if you could understand that from, uh, especially in the Old Testament, we're here in the Old Testament. And if you go, over, we're not going to go over there, but if you go over to, uh, for example, Deuteronomy 28, it gives a whole long list of things, right? If you'll do everything I tell you to do, then all of these blessings will come upon you. If you don't do what I tell you to do, all these curses will come upon you. And most of the time we read that as a, as a threat, right? As a warning that if you don't do what I tell you, I'm going I'm to get you. And that's really the wrong mentality to have. The correct mentality to have is it's a warning to us to not go beyond the covenant of God. That if we go out beyond the protection of the Lord, then he's powerless to help us. Because who chose to leave his word? Well, we do, right? The, the Lord doesn't make us leave his word. We choose to leave his word. We choose to step outside of his will. When we choose to step outside of the will of God, we get out onto the devil's territory, right? We get out onto the territory where... Uh, the devil is free to reign and uh, you know, the Lord can't do anything about that. You know, he, he possibly could by mercy, but as far as by faith, he can't do that uh, because we chose to be there. So if we choose to be there, uh, then um, the nice thing is we can choose not to be there. Right. Uh, and so uh, in, in all of his discussion, especially in the Old Testament, uh, when you see these things like this and you see, what looks like the Lord's going to punish us, you need to see it as the Lord is trying to warn us to not uh, not be on the devil's territory so that uh, the devil isn't allowed to do the things that he wants to do. Uh, and uh, and again, I think that mo the most important thing is uh, in this situation is anytime we stay in the will of God, we should be 100 percent fine. Uh, and so uh, people who say, God, you know, I've done nothing wrong and God put this on me. Um, you know, that, that's never those two things are never true. Right. If you do, if you really did do nothing wrong, then you would never have any uh, sickness and disease. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that people that get sickness and disease have done wrong because the devil will still try to put something upon you, even if you've done everything perfectly right. You know, he will try. But you have a perfect right to to uh, claim the promises of God and say, well, the devil, you have no right to do this because I have followed the will of God. And you can use that as a, as a standpoint of faith of instead of, you know, what did I do wrong? Well, maybe you didn't do anything wrong. It could just be that the devil's trying to see if you'll, you'll accept something that 
uh, he's trying to put on you illegally, right? So without any cause in your part. Uh, and so, you know, there's a scripture that says that the curse causeless shall not come. Uh, and while that's true, uh, it doesn't mean that the curse causeless, that uh, even if there's not a cause, that the curse may not try to come, right? It may try to come, and if you'll accept it, and what the devil's trying to do, he's trying to get you to agree with that sickness and disease. Uh, because uh, Ephesians 420, uh, 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. You know, a lot of times the devil will come as an illegal ag agent to your life, and he'll try to put some sickness and disease on you. And if you'll stand your ground and say, No, according to the word of God, I'm, I have a right to be healed. The Lord bought it. The Lord purchased it. You know, he's my uh, healer. He's my physician. He's Jehovah Rapha. Uh, you know, I choose not to accept it. Uh, and, you know, uh, the, the healing has to come. You know, the, the uh, sickness and disease has to go. And a lot of times uh, I've found in my life that when I do that, it just evaporates. It just kind of goes away. Uh, and it seems to me that it's, it's as much the devil just trying to, he'll put a symptom on you, not the actual disease, but, it, but somehow he'll get a symptom to show up in your body. And what are you going to do about it, right? So what he's trying to do oftentimes is to get you to cross the boundary with your own mouth and say, well, it looks like here it comes again. I guess I've got the sickness and disease again. And in doing that, without even really planning to, you now have given place to the devil and you, you've given him license to come and to make that uh, sickness and disease full blown in your life. So you've got to be careful uh, because the devil's uh, he's wily, right? He's tricky. He will try to do things uh, against you. Uh, and and you've not done anything wrong. You, you've been living your life for the Lord and been obedient to the Lord and. But that doesn't mean that, uh, uh, I mean, uh, what this uh, other verses in Psalm says, many of the afflictions of the righteous, right? Well, that sounds like two contrary words, right? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But what's the second part say? But the Lord delivers them out of how many? Out of all. So, you know, he, uh, even if that uh, um, affliction tries to come upon you in a sense of being sickness and disease, uh, will the Lord deliver you from that? Uh, how many times will the Lord deliver you from that? Well, he said all, right? And so all means all, amen? Uh, and so so just know that, uh, uh, you know, that if you've not given place to the devil, that uh, really the best thing to understand about that is if you've not given place to the devil, that gives you the strongest case to stand against him. If you have uh, gone beyond the will of God, you know, then there may be things that you have to deal with first that you may have to get your your relationship restored back with the Lord and, and ask for forgiveness and get that dealt with before uh, you go to the next phase, which is then to also receive the healing power of God. Amen. So sin is does not uh, guarantee uh, that you can't be healed. Uh, you just deal with a sin and then you then you get your healing. Amen. Uh, and so uh, are, are we saying that it's OK to sin? Why? No, because in that in the time frame from the time that you choose to sin until the time that you repent, what's going to happen during that time? Well, I don't know what's going to happen in that time. You know, I know the Lord's merciful and, and those types of things. But you want to roll the dice with your life every day. Right. You want to see what you let's just see what happens. Right. Uh, you know what the last two words of, of uh, every uh, redneck is. Right. Uh, it's always watch this. Right. And then that's the last two words he says, right? And so, <laughs> um, you know, it's, um, um, you want to risk that? I don't want to risk that, amen? Uh, so, uh, you know, we got to make sure we don't play with fire, amen? It's not the fire of the Lord, it's the fire of the enemy, amen? Uh, and so, uh, just going back to, uh, we were in Exodus 11, 
but uh, in chapter 12, when all of that uh, plague actually comes through and, uh, and they had the Passover there, um, he says in verse uh, 13, uh, he says, and the blood shall be, be to you for a token of, of the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I shall pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you uh, when I smite the land of Egypt. Uh, and so, of course, that's the whole context of Passover, right? Uh, that um, uh, when the Lord saw that the, the blood of the lamb upon their doorposts, that he didn't do that. He didn't, uh, uh, the angel didn't come and destroy their firstborn because of the Passover blood of the lamb there. Um, and so, of course, now here we are in the New Testament and we have the blood of Jesus, right? It was, it was shed for our benefit on the cross. Uh, and uh, when we read about the blood of Jesus in the New Testament, it was there for cleansing, right? It cleanses us from all sin, amen? And it was the purchase price for our redemption, right? So it paid, uh, it not only paid for our sin, but it washed, uh, washed the sin away. Um, uh, we, st- we still in the church have, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be controversial or anything, but we still have, uh, to me, some odd things about the when it comes to the blood of Jesus. You know, I think we should believe in it. Of course, we believe in it, right? We thank the Lord for it. We understand the value of it. But we get into some things about uh, pl- like pleading the blood, and um, I'm just always a little uncomfortable with that because my question is, what's the what is the scriptural foundation that we have faith that we can say I plead the blood for any circumstance? Uh, and, and there's no there's no for sure there's no New Testament. Uh, scripture that says we should plead the blood. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think, because I don't really know, you know, uh, anytime I've ever read after somebody teaching on that, their teaching is more from a standpoint of, I did that and these things happened, as opposed to, here's what the Word of God says and here's what you can believe for that. Uh, and so I'm not mad at anybody. You want to plead the blood, you plead the blood all day long. But my question is, what's your, what's your scripture foundation for that phrase? Because there is no scriptural foundation for that phrase. If there's no scriptural foundation for that phrase, then what is our faith in that phrase? If there's no scriptural foundation for that, then you can't have any faith for that. Then it's really superstition, right? If there's no faith based upon the word of God, then it's really superstition. Uh, and it sounds good. Uh, but, uh, you know, to me, it's kind of passive that, you know, almost from a standpoint of, of being afraid that I'm going to plead the blood over, over my life so that the enemy doesn't come and bother me. Well, he can come try and bother me all day long. I've got the name of Jesus. Now, I do have the name of Jesus, right? And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, right? Uh, and so uh, I'm never afraid of the devil and, and I don't plead the blood over my life because I already know that I've got the name of Jesus and I've got the whole armor of God. And in the armor of God, there's no mention of the blood of Jesus, right? Uh, in, in the name of Jesus, there's no mention of the blood of Jesus. Now, I understand the blood of Jesus helped purchase all of that, right? It was the it was the the medium of exchange to buy all that in redemption. So we for sure don't discount the blood of Jesus. We're not, not trying to minimize the blood of Jesus, uh, but I still hear that a lot where people plead the blood. Anybody else hear people plead the blood? You know, uh, and uh, uh, and you know don't correct them. They'll they'll get their feelings hurt. Uh, but just ask the question: What's the scriptural foundation for that phrase? Right when you say I plead the blood. What do you believe in that God will do based upon what he said he would do? There's no New Testament promise that says, if you plead the blood, I will protect you from this. 
There's no, there's no foundation for that at all. Amen. The only time that the blood was here, I mean, it's not the only time, but they use blood a lot for sacrifices. And well, is there any blood being shed today? No blood being shed today. So um, the, the blood of Jesus was sufficient for that. Is Jesus going to shed any more blood today? No. Um, uh, and, uh, and so what's the scriptural foundation for when I plead the blood, the devil has no right to do anything in your life. That's not, there's no scriptural foundation for that, right? Uh, and so, and you know, just in my own personal prayer life, and you know, I do thank the Lord for his blood. I, you know, declare that I'm washed and clean, made clean by his blood. We, we receive communion, and part of the communion uh, uh, sacrament is uh, the juice, which represents the blood. In the blood of Jesus, we declare that we are washed in, in his blood, amen, that, that we do have scriptural foundation for that, right? Uh, and so, uh, I'm just a little picky when it comes to faith because anytime I hear somebody say something that uh, they're basically asking the Lord to move on their behalf, uh, my first my first question is, okay, what's the what's the scriptural foundation for that? Because I can have faith in the Word of God. You know, I can't have faith in anything you say. Uh, I can only have faith in the Word of God. I can't have faith in any experience you have. I can only have faith in the Word of God. If you pled the blood of Jesus. And a miracle happened. Praise God. You know, that's that's great. But my faith is not in your experiences. My faith is in the word of God only. Amen. Uh, and, you know, and no doubt the Lord is merciful and kind. No doubt we've all said things that really wasn't faith, but we kind of wanted it to be faith. Uh, and the Lord, you know, was merciful enough to grant us, you know, throw us a bone every now and then and help us out there. So uh, are, are we mad? at? I'm not mad at anybody, you know. But uh, um, a few people might get mad at me if just for saying that. Um, but just that, but that's my question. What's the foundation? Of where do you get the phrase? That phrase doesn't exist in the word of God. Right. Uh, and uh, no, no New Testament saint ever used that phrase in any context whatsoever uh, uh, to do anything. Uh, and so. Uh, uh, and, you know, if you got something, uh, let me know. I'll be glad to read it. But uh, uh, I have yet to find uh, a. Um, a foundation for that, uh, and yet I still hear much of the uh, church say that phrase, amen. Uh, and so, uh, so then she jumps uh, way over to uh, to the New Testament. So let's jump over to uh, um, uh, uh, Luke chapter 22. And you know, my goal is not to be controversial and to say things. Um, I just uh, I want to I'm always trying to increase my faith. Amen. Uh, and, um, and and in that, my goal is to increase your faith. Amen. Because faith in a, in a phrase is not uh, faith. Right. It's really just superstition. So um, and so now we've dug our hole even deeper right there. Right. And so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, and where's the name of Jesus? You know, I love the name of Jesus. You know, I mean, you give me the name of Jesus all day long, right? Uh, and and um, I'm good with the name because all, the, all of our authority is wrapped up in the name of Jesus, right? It's not wrapped up in his blood. It's wrapped up in his name. The blood is what purchased his name, but it's the name where the authority is, right? Uh, and so, um, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, uh, that's not the only thing, but that's, uh, uh, I hear phrases like that every now and then you know and I'm, I'm always interested you know what what was the where did that phrase come from right who said that first and where how did it get into the vernacular of the church um and um uh, and you know 
Uh, to be honest, I know the enemy loves things like that because just like where people will will take the word of God, you know, and they'll go use it, you know, and they'll go lay the word of God on somebody, you know, oh, look at this, right? I just put my Bible on them. Uh, and, and what do you think that just did? You know, it did nothing. Because what promise do we have that if we take this leather bound word and we lay it on somebody, we got any promise for that? No promise for that. So there's no, if there's no promise, then there's no faith, right? Because all faith starts with a promise. And so um, it's, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's no different than superstition, right? But it looks spiritual. I mean, it look, oh, I laid my Bible on them, you know, and the word of God will drive that out of them. Okay, you got any Bible for that? You know, you got no Bible for that. So, um, uh, and so, well, holy water, you know, and, you know, some groups in the church love holy water, right? Sprinkle the holy water, right? Now, that does, I do know as a fact that it does work for vampires, right? And so all vampires can be defeated with a little bit of holy water, uh, at least according to Bella Lagosi. But, um, uh, but in the word of God, I don't see that anywhere, right? And so, um, and you know, I'm being facetious, right? So here we are in the New Testament. So she kind of uh, shifts gears uh, and she, she started talking about, you know, her life and kind of how she got to where she was at. Uh, and, uh, and so she, she uh, uh, read these verses here in uh, Luke chapter 22, it starts in verse 31, where the Lord, this is after he was, uh, uh, let's see, I guess this is before he was uh, uh, raised from the dead. Yeah, this is right after the Last Supper. Uh, and so the Lord's given him some final instructions before he goes to the cross. And so he tells uh, Peter here in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, uh, he says uh, in verse 33, uh, he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Uh, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. And of course, other versions of the same story. Peter's like, there's no way I'd do that. And, and you know, I've always thought that was interesting that here uh, the son of God is telling you that this is going to happen. You say, you know, you're wrong, Jesus. It's not going to happen. Why would you say that? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, their faith was not as fully developed as it became once they got into Pentecost. But um, uh, but. Uh, she she was talking here about how uh, in her life that she'd experienced a lot of troubles and woes. Uh, but again, sometimes people think that it's the Lord that's doing this, right? The Lord's going to sift you like wheat. But but who does the Lord say that's going to sift him like wheat? It's Satan, right? So is it the Lord's desire that Peter gets sifted like wheat? It's not the Lord's desire that, that uh, Satan just tries to sift him like wheat. Uh, in other words, he's trying to see what he's made out of, right? He's going to push him. He's going to see, you know, what does he say in times of pressure? He's going to see what he does when when um, um, temptation comes. He's going to see what happens when somebody, you know, um, uh, or he, he gets a symptom upon him or what somebody says. You remember later on, even Paul rebuked uh, Peter when he got around the Jews. Uh, and all of a sudden, the Gentiles were not good enough for Peter. Uh, and uh, and Paul rebuked him openly, said, you know, look at you great man of God, you know. Uh, but here, uh, he, he said that he decided to sift him like wheat. Uh, and he said, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Um, and so that, that was God's side, right? I pray for thee that your faith fail not. Because in, in times of great distress, 
sometimes your faith can fail, right? In times of great oppression, sometimes your faith can fail. Now, the Lord can't fail. His word can't fail. But your faith can fail, right? You can just say, Lord, I've tried and tried and tried. It just, it's, it's just not working. I'm, I'm just going to quit. Uh, and uh, many times we quit when the finish line is within sight and we don't even know it, you know. Uh, and so, you know, whose side is the Lord on here? He's on Peter's side, right? He's on our side uh, that his faith fell not. Uh, and so there are many things that you go through, but it's not the Lord that you put in that, you know, sometimes the Lord knows you're going to go through those things. And some, there are plenty of situations that the Lord uh, needs you to go through, not for your benefit so much, but for the benefit of the people around you. Uh, but in, in this context, you know, this is just the devil trying to over, overcome, um, overcome uh, Peter. Uh, and then she started talking about her own life, about uh, even as a child that she said that the devil whispered her in her ear that, you know, she's a terrible child and that I'm going to get you. Right. Uh, and and, um, uh, and a, she made a phrase there that says a lie that is partially true is the hardest kind of lie to fight. Uh, and so, uh, you know, she knew that she was a bad girl. I don't know why, you know, what in particular it was that she did, but she knew she wasn't a good person. Uh, uh, and so that part of it may be true. But the other part about the devil going to get her, you know, that that's not really that true. Uh, eventually her sin would catch up with her. But um, uh, but she spent a lot of time talking about how uh, that lie then uh, kind of kind of consumed her for many years. Right. Uh, and that. Um, uh, uh, she talked about some stories of seeing uh, there's a story where she saw a big black man and and she thought that was the devil and because uh, she'd never seen one before. And uh, and so she was terrified of that. Why, why are you terrified about this fella? Right. Uh, and so uh, but um, uh, she so she went on. Uh, and, but she talked about even in legacy of her family, how when she was looking up uh, her family history that she found. One person's name was uh, Obi Joyful Yeomans. Did you guys read that in their book? She talked about one of her ancestors, that their name was Obi Joyful. Uh, and uh, although that's a cool name, I can't imagine naming my child that, you know. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it may be cool for us, but then the kid has to go to school with that name, right? And so don't make your kids suffer by, by naming them Obi Joyful, right? Uh, you know, teach them how to be joyful. That's great, right? But don't name them that. Uh, but, um, uh, and so... So, you know, as she went on with school, she never did, she, uh, growing up, she never did really yield to the Lord in those things. And when she got to, she got to uh, college, you know, she got all consumed in that. And, uh, you know, in Matthew 13, it talks about the, uh, uh, the types of soil. And one of them is uh, when, you're, when the cares of this world and the deceitfulness and the riches come, it will choke the word, right? It'll smother the word. It'll choke the word out of your life. Uh, and we all have that particular temptation in our life that we get so busy that, uh, that the word of God has no more uh, effect in our lives. Uh, and so that's what she had done. She had gone through school and got consumed in all of that stuff. And it was, uh, she said when she graduated, she was basically an agnostic, which, you know, it's not, it's not a, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking about? Uh, it's not an atheist, right, where it doesn't believe in God. An agnostic, well, I just don't know. Uh, you know, that's still not any better as far as God's concerned as, you know, I don't believe in God at all uh, because you, uh, you must believe that he is, amen? Uh, and so, uh, so a lot of times agnostics think, well, I'm not as bad as an atheist. But from the Lord's perspective, it's exactly the same, right? You must believe that he is. Uh, and so 
she, but she got uh, cold to the Lord. And of course, then she got uh, addicted to the drugs, narcotics, you know, because of all the stress there. Uh, and, uh, and again, uh, we had talked earlier about how she had said uh, that the Lord really allowed this to happen to get her to the kind of the bottom of the barrel before uh, he could help her. And it runs to the Lord's doing. It was 100% our own, right? She decided to take narcotics. She decided to take drugs. The Lord didn't encourage her to do that. It wasn't the Lord's doing at all. It was 100% on, on her own. Uh, and, um, and, you know, uh, the only way really to get fully uh, repentant of anything is to fully acknowledge your own sin. Amen. You should never bring anybody else on, the, on your own sin. A lot of times people will either bring somebody else. Well, they made me do it. Or, you know, I couldn't help it because of them. Or the, the Lord put this on my life. You know, the Lord put too much on me to bear. and I couldn't handle it. Um, and the only true repentance is when you say, Lord, it was all me. Nobody made me do it. Nobody caused me to do it. Uh, it doesn't matter what other people's influence was. At the end of the day, it was your choice to get involved in it. And, 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 and true repentance will only come when there's true acknowledgement of of you and only you have been involved in that. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but she got to the point where she made a statement says, unless there's hope for me in the Bible, there's no hope anywhere. Uh, and so she'd got to that point in her life, which at least is a good place to get to. Uh, and, and, and I'm thankful that she did get to it, right? She did find uh, the hope uh, that uh, she could get out of her sickness and disease uh, and then she became a lifelong, you know, proponent of healing and and um, and we're thankful for that. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, she, uh, and I think that part of her testimony about how, you know, although she wasted all those years, you know, it's kind of like the woman with the with the issue of blood. She spent all that she had right on doctors and and, and uh, grew nothing better, but rather grew worse. Right. Uh, so she tried everything in the world. She tried Christian science. She tried meditation. She tried uh, other medications tried everything in the world and got to the point, unless there's hope for me in the Bible, there's no hope anywhere. And, and it's really a shame that uh, even uh, although she knew about the Lord growing up, you know, she wasn't a, a Christian growing up, but she did know about the Lord growing up. Uh, and many people in the world know about the Lord, but they'll try everything in the world uh, except for the church. And I think that's a, a, a reflection on how poorly the church has demonstrated to the world that we are the source of all hope that the church is the source of all your hope for healing, for all the hope for salvation, for all the hope for deliverance, that we are the only hope that you have. And they don't think that we are, but we are. Amen. And they'll try everything in the world except for going to church. Uh, and you know, and it's funny because, you know, how hard is it to go to church? The easiest thing in the world to go to church, right? But for some, some folks, sometimes it's just like, it's just really, I don't know if I can do that. Or not. I don't. You go down to the Walmart every day. You don't you don't pray and fast and get an intercession before you go to Walmart, do you? I mean, maybe you should sometimes, but, uh, you know, you don't pray and fast before you go to the uh, gas station, do you? I don't, I don't I don't know if I can do it. I mean, you know, who knows what that pump's going to do, right? And, um, no, you don't, right? But but uh, if people can understand that the reason why there's so much pressure to do that is because the enemy hates you going to church. Amen. And he will fight you tooth and toenail to keep you from going to church. So so she did find the hope that unless there's hope for her in the Bible, that there's, uh, there's no hope anywhere. She did find that hope. She did receive her healing. Uh, and, uh, and so we're thankful for that. Amen. Uh, and so, um, uh, and, that's, and that's really the whole first chapter of that book there. Uh, so we have a few questions. You guys want to answer some questions? Uh, these are not hard questions to answer, right? 
uh, and so, uh, so the first question is, what is the bomb of Gilead? It, that's right. It's the healing power of God, right? And, so, and, and um, uh, I, like, I like your answer there, Doris. Uh, and so, um, uh, and that's really a quote from uh, an Old Testament verse there. But, uh, you know, a bomb is what they put on people, right? It, it's uh, usually some type of, a, of um, um, not a liquid, but uh, an ointment of some kind or cream, right? That they make a salve, right? Uh, and uh, it's got all kinds of voodoo stuff in it, right? And uh, you, you, you talk to 100 people, you'll get all kinds. All my grandmothers have got the best bomb in the world, right? If you take a, you know, eye of newt, you know, and a, and a, and a, and a you know, dragon uh, fly wing or, you know, something like that and put it all together, maybe some sunflower seeds, you'll make a... Uh, and, you know, there's a good chance some of that stuff really works, right? Uh, and so, uh, but the bomb of Gilead is the healing power of God, right? He wants to, he wants to use that, you know, the anointing, when it talks about the anointing of God, uh, the Old Testament, the word, if you look up the word anointing, it, it means t- uh, to take like oil and smear it, right? That's what the anointing means, to smear, to smear it on you, which is what you do with a bomb, right? Um, and um, an ointment. Uh, and so, but we, we live uh, in the power of God. So our bomb is the healing power of God, right? And what did you call it, uh, Doris? A fountain. Uh, a fountain. A fountain. A perpetual fountain, right? No so. Limit. With no limits, right? So that's uh, that's pretty good, right? Uh, and so, well, I thought I did too, but uh, I, I didn't get the, as good an answer as you had, right? So, um, and then she said, uh, uh, "How can we ascertain what was secured for us by the sacrifice of Calvary? By studying God's word, right?" And I like the way that she that she added to it. She said, "By constant, careful, diligent, reverent." prayerful study of God's word right uh, and uh, you know there's a lot of a lot of words in that uh, but the root of it is uh, studying the studying God's word right and that's why anytime I hear phrases or terms that people say especially if they use it over and over again my, my question is okay where do they get that from and sometimes there's an answer right okay they got that from this verse over here that verse over there uh, so whatever we whatever we believe whatever we are going to uh, secure from God's uh, blessings must come from the foundation of his word. Amen. Um, and then, of course, question number three really isn't a question, but it's really supposed to be a true or false question. Uh, uh, a, a lie that is partially true is the hardest kind of lie to fight. Is that true or false? True. That's true, right? And so, you know, the devil will never come and say, well, you know, Jesus didn't die for you. Because we're all like, whatever, you know, uh, that's easy. Uh, but he'll come and say, well, you know, God's healing is for everybody, but, but not for you because you did this. Uh, well, that's not really, that's sort of true, but it's not really true. And so uh, that's, that's, and that's how the devil operates. If you look at how he operated in the Garden uh, of Eden, that's how he operated, right? Hath God said, right? Did God really say that? You know, he's trying to question God's word, right? And so. I put true, but God is all, I put, I put true, but the devil is always a liar. The devil's always a liar, right? So how do you know when the devil's lying? Okay. He's talking, right? Uh, and so, um, but the devil did that with uh, the Lord Jesus. Uh, if you, if thou be the son of God, right? So he's always trying to get him to question the word, right? Question the word. So it'll sound like the Bible, right? Uh, well, if he really gave you uh, angels charge over you, then throw yourself off this cliff, right? Uh, and, and that sounds, well, uh, that sounds like God. I guess I've got to do that, right? 
But anytime the devil tries to get you to prove it, well, if, if you as a Christian, you do this. Uh, or if you love me, you do this, right? That's how the devil operates. He'll use questions, right? He'll, he'll question things like that, get you to do a partial truth there uh, and try to get you to be under pressure to prove something. And so, so we'll stop there for today uh, and uh, we'll pick up chapter two from this uh, book next week there. Uh, and um, uh, she gets into a good discussion about uh, feelings. And, and I think that'll be a good discussion because that is an area where sometimes we try to measure God's healing power by how we feel. Amen. Uh, and um, that's really the, the lowest form of, of, uh, of witness that we can use. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you that you are the bomb of Gilead. Father, you're the, the anointing and the power of God that comes upon us to cause healing in our bodies, Father. We thank you that it's your will and desire for us to be well and to be whole, Father. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We choose to believe your word, Father. If you said once, Father, that you are the Jehovah Rapha, if you said once that you are the Lord, our physician, then you are still the Lord, our physician. We choose to believe that, Father. And every ache and pain, every sickness and disease has to yield and bow to the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise God. We, may, we didn't make anybody mad today, right? So you know, it's funny, a lot of times Jerry come up and say, you make anybody mad today? <laughs> so, uh, you know, my goal is never to make anybody mad at all. Uh, but sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes it happens, you know. Uh, but uh, the Lord is good. Let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. And um, uh, what's that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... Um, uh, the Lord is good. Amen. We appreciate your goodness and kindness. And so uh, we'll be back. Uh, it looks like we're going to be here for a few more weeks there. So um, I'm hoping that we are back in the sanctuary um, on the Sunday after um, the parade, right after the Strawberry Festival. So uh, we'll hope, uh, hope that we are. Uh, if, if we're not, we will be there soon after that because we sh they should get done by, the, by that week there. So. All right, we'll come ahead, Mr. Jared, and, um, um, but praise God, let's see. Um, I was just looking at the podium there. Uh, if you look at it just the right light, and I guess I've never seen these lights before. There's all kinds of scribbles where I've written on post-it notes over the years there, so. You have to get used to seeing this podium because uh, it's going to change here before too long. I think we'll have to paint it, so, um, but um, that's all right. It's part of the deal, right, so. Uh, it's like anything. Uh, what did you say you wanted to change the other day? You wanted to change. Um, uh, yeah, you, well, there's something small you wanted to change. And I thought, oh, okay, well, it's not just that. Because you want to change like towels, you know. And then by the next thing, you know, you're you're putting an addition on the house, right? Yeah, yeah everything else right there. So, oh, I know, I know. So, uh, but that's all right. The Lord is good. Amen. Well, y'all have a wonderful week in the Lord. Be blessed. We'll see you next Sunday.